it recording? Okay. Um, okay, so Irina, going to this event, and we always treat these things as just an opportunity to meet people, to learn about who they are, um, potentially also what they do and how we might be helpful to one another uh, professionally, but also on a personal connection level. So with that being said, um, I want to talk about, you know, what is it that we do? We're in this kind of pivotal moment of figuring out how do we define it? Just because, you know, you've had these benefits, right? From doing the self-introspection and values and purpose and code of decision-making work, right? Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that other people will understand what the benefits are. Because you can't be like, well, you know, as a result, our company is now uh, worth $5 billion and grew from, uh, from zero to hero in under two years, right? No, you, you don't have that luxury. And uh, that's okay because the product itself was just launched and not really marketed but let's talk about the benefits right what would the benefits be for an organization or just an individual in doing the work that you you did in the academy front so i think the biggest one that's kind of unclear is the benefits of the ethos academy and i would say you know the real big one is is clarity and improved or deep focus in decision-making so that you can take the right decisions, the ones that, that you know are right, much more rapidly without so much fuss, back and forth, back and forth. What would so-and-so do? What is this telling me to do? What is the the regulatory manual say I should do, you know, what's the right thing to do here? And the reason that's so important is because <laughs> sustainability, I think that's pretty clear, right? ESG and all of that, it's authenticity. If you can't, if you're not integral in what it is that you're putting on the paper and you can't defend it or articulate it or explain why at every level of leadership in an organization, then you're pretty much screwed <laughs> because something's going to go wrong and people are going to feast on the fact that it went wrong and it creates reputational damage, not just for the organization and potentially uh, the assets or the assets under management of that investment house, right? We don't have to, to look too far in uh, case history to find this. However, however, it also can create a lot of, of harm to the individuals who are exposed to these decisions, right? And, and sure, you know, when it's organizational, I mean, you know, we made a commitment that we're going to be net zero by 2030, but then guess what? This war happened, and that's no longer feasible financially, certainly 
but it's just not feasible 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 from a demand supply perspective and also from a geopolitical stability standpoint so you know we're going to as an organization choose not to divest from fossil fuels or whatever right could be worse <laughs> um because we don't want to create or arm other nations with this very uh, valuable resource that realistically isn't going to go away unless everybody agrees to make it go away and not on paper at COP, you know, 28 or 95 or whatever, because it's one thing to all, yes, yes, shy, shake hands and uh, we're going to do it. Yeah, we're going to do it. You agree we're going to do it? Yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Look, it's on TV. So of course we're all going to shake hands and agree. But then something changes in the environment and you're justify, well, now we're not going to do it. And, you know, fair enough. I mean, it, it, at the end of the day, uh, there is a, a political rationale behind making choices that are going to get the respective leaders elected in the next term election. And if everybody is, uh, you know, <laughs> not able to fuel their cars because we haven't gone electric, all the way, the infrastructure is not there. And if we did, think about uh, mineral resources and all of the problems we have there. You know, there's a lot of things to be considered there. So why is, is this important? Well, it's important to note because you can learn sustainability and ESG through and throughout your organizational level. But what's even more important is do you have sustainability in your ability to make coherent decisions and rationalize how those decisions are made. Because as a leader, you will be put to the test and to the challenge and you will have to pivot. And we live in a very volatile and complex world. So that's naturally gonna happen. But think about it um, at a, at, on a different level. Let's say you're in the aviation space and you've got a group of uh, new recruits, right? And and it's not just you know, your recruits, it's people in the medical professions, people that are dealing with life and death situations <laughs> where they cannot uh, really afford or have, do not have the luxury of time to permutate a million different things in their minds to arrive at the right decision. Some of it is ingrained, but in the a period of crisis or emergency or critical decision needs to be made, you need to have a level of clarity within yourself as to how you make these decisions, which, um, which is you know, not necessarily easy to, uh, easy to access. And therefore, I think one of the biggest things in the, the academy that has surfaced for me is this clarity and what do I need to focus on at this moment to remain in coherence with what my purpose here is and you know my my life's purpose is one thing but you know right now my purpose is to get to this next place that I'm going to, or to land the plane safely. And when I am in that coherence, and I'm able to frame 
my thinking so that it aligns with, you know, what are, what are the right things to do? Am I, you know, am I, am I jeopardizing any core values here? All of this process, which frankly, we don't usually think about because it's, you know, quite a bit of a mind buster, if you will. We generally operate on autopilot. You see, we operate on autopilot. This way you need to do, you do next. This is your plan. You follow it. We act as (laughs) execution people. Here's your budget. Here are the five things you need to do. Here's your sales target or whatever, right? And if you follow these process steps, everything will be okay. And if you make a couple of mistakes, it's not the end. Of it. But if you're in a position where, you know, one wrong move or one distraction can actually uh, be the difference between life and that, when you cannot really operate on autopilot or you're required to take the autopilot off, then can you make the right decision in sometimes a split second of time? And that requires a higher level of consciousness. Otherwise, there's a higher likelihood that you're going to make the wrong decision. Because what is consciousness? Consciousness (laughs) is, is, is the ability to lift yourself beyond the acting out of fear, anger, desire, through courage to that next level. And those next levels are where you begin to think in oneness. What is good for me is best for others. We're acting from a place of love, compassion, care, integrity. So you see, that's why this is important. Because whenever we operate from a a, a place of low state of mind, it is unlikely that we will make optimal decisions. And by optimal, I mean not just optimal for what's good for us at this point in time. Like say, I'm having a horrible day and you know I I, uh, I just got out of a messy divorce I, I don't have friends I don't have family I've lost my job I have no I have nothing to look forward to well somebody who's in that particular state of mind um, you know obviously is not going to be making the best decisions for the collective and of course you can screen for such extreme situations and and, and, and mental challenges. However, however, when we develop a practice that allows us to tap into these higher dimensions on a consistent basis, our, our ability to think more clearly more often also increases. Is that kind of clear? It's a lot of words, no? Yeah, you're wordy. Um, on the sustainability in the SG Academy, it's really quite simple. Understand what really matters to your business. Run through the process of figuring out what matters based on, yeah, your jurisdiction of operation, the rules and the compliance, but also where does your company have the most impact? How are you going to build 
in a way that maximizes that positive impact. Is it hiring from vulnerable populations, for example? Is it hiring anyone? You know, what is, what is the criteria? If we have somebody of higher competence that is not from a vulnerable population in a position where you know, competence is the most important thing, how do you make uh, the, the, the trade-off? You know, most would argue that you should only hire for competence. And when you have similar level of competence, well, then it makes sense to prioritize those who have been marginalized before. So you see that that level of, of, of thinking and materiality uh, certainly applies at the organizational level for sustainability. Sustainability, not just from the environmental perspective, sustainability of, of the company, because it's creating something that that is needed in society. It's an, it's an impact way of thinking about sustainability as something that can stand through time, that is durable, that is also desirable to stand through time. Some things might be, you know, <laughs> highly durable, like an oil rig, but might not be sustainable in the long term, right? So all of these things um, are part of the Sustainability and ESG Academy and they're really relevant for businesses of any size, I, I would say. But particularly, um, I'd argue important for smaller businesses to get their heads wrapped around because you know, before you know it, you're competing on uh, market share and procurement contracts or whatever with some of the larger firms who all have these wonderful glossy papers on all the great things that they do for humanity. And because you operate a small business, which, you know, your your mission and you're potentially doing all these things at the core, but you're not being necessarily recognized for them, the proper ways and the investment and capital allocation circles. So, you know, it's just important not to not to assume that because you're a small business, you're completely sheltered from all the brouhaha and noise that the big corks are exposed to it. And the other reason for that is because, in a way, <laughs> this ESG and sustainability mechanism is, is becoming another way that large corporations can crowd out smaller ones, not necessarily intentionally, but in a, in a way, in the spirit of you know, competition, it kind of makes total sense from a pure capitalism standpoint. You know, if my glossy is better than yours, um, then I win. But at the end of the day, what I'm suggesting is that the glossy isn't reality. Reality is what's really happening within. And if you've got the bones and the structure within, um, then you really don't need to worry so much about building a glossy. But you do need to make sure that you are communicating that impact to those that care about that impact, period. Another um, interesting application is, you know, finding the right people. How do you know you've got the right people? And one way uh, I would propose to do that is if the, the company itself has its ethos documented. The ethos is different than the impact metrics and all that, all the quantifiable stuff that you put in dashboards. Yeah, it's not what I'm talking about. Ethos is how will we as a company conduct ourselves? What are our 
foundational principles of what we value, what we respect, and how, right? What do we put first? Safety, uh, environmental stewardship. I don't know. It depends on the company, right? The humane treatment of animals. It really depends on your business. But I would say hiring people that are, especially when you're in the impact space or trying to do something for good, um, or it might take longer and you want to make sure that you're getting people that are going to stick with you for the long haul. Well, how do you really know someone in an interview, right? Or by these uh, behavioral tests and things like that. I think one of the big risks we run is that very few people actually know themselves, so you're asking them to tell you about themselves, and they'll tell you what they've prepped or what they've, they've studied for your examination of who they are. But it's actually really hard <laughs> to get the truth. And again, not in a way that because people are lying to you, it's because they might not actually know. So I, I would actually recommend for hiring purposes, certainly it's something I'm... I'm <laughs> definitely considering for the future as uh, I've, I've learned from my mistakes higher on on ethos higher on not your ethos higher on their ethos you don't need everybody to think the same and in fact if they do you likely have a problem because everybody thinking the same in an organization um, creates group thinking and group thinking is not good for solving problems or things that arise as they come. So ethos doesn't mean that everybody thinks the same. It just means that you can understand and appreciate how they think and what they value so that you can determine whether this is a partnership that is likely to be sustainable. And I think this is actually mission critical, particularly for startups and small to medium-sized enterprises. I mean, surely someone could question me on this, but I mean, I remember <laughs> Senior Parker once told me that it's absolutely true that what kills most small businesses and well-capitalized ventures is oftentimes the the breakdown of of the culture of the team and the founding partners um, as well i might be adding to what he said here a little bit but that seems highly likely considering that you know when i was working for the m a team back in the day <laughs> culture was always the big elephant in the room that Everybody wanted to tackle, but nobody really, really knew how, to be honest. So I think, I think I've cracked the code on this one, but I could be wrong. Okay, cool. So I, uh, yeah, I, I, I get it. I, I agree. I think you should make it mandatory, by the way, um, to hire on ethos. But I, I would also caution you that uh, just asking for somebody's ethos, um, you know, and them trying to come up with something that's going to make you happy, 
you need also to be able to discern the, you know, as somebody dear once put it, the BS in that. You know, how how do you know it's true? How do they know it's true? Right? And, uh, you know, that's possibly where reference checks can take on a completely different meaning, <laughs> if you will. Um, because then you know what you're, what you're, what you're screening for, not just like, hey, what do you have to say about this person? You know, obviously they're not going to talk smack, but you can be a little bit more deliberate, deliberate, you know, like in my ethos, I have this kooky thing that says nobody is born a man or a woman, but becomes all that it is, you know, so if, if somebody were to question some of my friends about that statement in my ethos or even potentially uh, former bosses, they, they would probably chuckle a little bit and tell you, yeah, I know exactly what that means. Irina doesn't define herself by her gender. And at times, you know, she can be pretty A-type, masculine, driven, you know, go, go, go and get out of my way, which is not stereotypically attached to a, a, a female personality type. <clears throat> so, you know, things like that are kind of help, helpful to get to know a person, especially if they are mission critical, right? And of course, you've got to keep it ethical. You can't pry too much. So it's what people are comfortable disclosing about themselves. So if for some reason you're not comfortable disclosing something that's in your ethos, well, you know, I would ask why, <laughs> you know, possibly because, you know, you've got something in there that says, I, you know, I get pleasure from killing small animals. Well, you know, somebody that has that as part of their wiring, let's say, may not feel comfortable putting that out on public display. Um, and that's where, you know, we have to hypothesize that most people will see value and are, have a propensity to be the best version of themselves. And that is a good thing. Um, and then it comes down to, are you able to discern as an employer or as a partner, you know, that kind of stuff. But I, I certainly think the biggest benefits of doing this work aren't at the organizational level, unless we're talking about, you know, <laughs> international organizational level, then that's a whole other topic. But I, I would argue that they are at the individual level, because when you know thyself, you can be true and faithful to thyself, because you are connected to your source whatever form that takes, whether it's your, you know, life philosophy, your religion, your spiritual practice, your way of life, right? Whatever that, that source or how it comes to you is where you are at peak mentally, so to speak, or, you know, from a, a psyche perspective, if you take the the Jungian view on the psyche versus mind, right? But 
you know, then you, you can add things to that peak performance in terms of the physical mind body connection, your occupation. Are you doing something that is aligned with what you deem to be a value truly, um, you know, in this world, do you have a social circle that is uh, supportive and encouraging and adds value to you intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually, and potentially not all people to all things, but essentially, do you have a holistic practice and, and well-being? And if you do, chances of events that are happening to you, that are out of your control, being taken from the perspective of this is an event out of my control, what do I control? And how do I stay integral to myself in the best way I know how? That that process becomes highly simplified because you have effectively removed the noise, my friend. Irina, does this make sense to you? Yes, yes. It does make sense to me. The question is, will it make sense to other people? Eh, now we'll see.